What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam has a sore Achilles tendon kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Presented by the Pigskin Podcast Network. Adam, how's it going, sir? Well, Graham, you, you mentioned it in my nickname already. Uh, dealing with some physical ailments today. Uh, this week, really, the past couple weeks. And thank God I've come to you because this is right in your wheelhouse. Like, this is uh, Mike Soroka's same injury. A little less severe than what Mike Soroka had going on. But, you know, the same uh, tendon. And you, you were so knowledgeable on Achilles back when uh, Soroka had his second surgery. So I'm hoping you can tell me, what do I have in store for me with Achilles tendonitis? What is treatment? What is the prognosis, Dr. Graham? Well, initially, um, well, first thing that's going to happen is it will rupture, and you will have to get surgery and recover for at least four to eight months. (laughs) So you got that to look forward to. Um, Interesting. Prognosis isn't great, but, um, or... Become sedentary. Don't do anything. Don't go anywhere. Just just sit around um, and uh, maybe let it heal on its own. That is really your only two options. So it's going to rupture if I keep active is what you mean. Not like it's just going to rupture on its own. Right. I should, have, I should have uh, prefaced what I said with that information. Yeah. So you're pushing me towards a sedentary lifestyle. Sedentary lifestyle. So there's no alternative like exercises I can do besides no. running. Just sedentary. Sedentary. So you, what you... here? Okay, I, I see where you're coming from with this, Graham. Because you, the, the thing is that if you start exercising, you're going to start using other parts of your body. Like, you could do other exercises, sure, but then you're going to, you know, maybe you'll take a wrong step. Maybe, um, I don't know, something like that might happen. Sounds like you just want me to join you on your seasonal uh, depression train. That could also be a possibility. <laughs> Strength in numbers, as they say. Yeah, yeah. So that that's a bit of a bummer, Graham, but um, not Atlanta sports related. No, directly. No. So we can discuss Atlanta sports this week, correct? That's what we're uh, contractually obligated to do. I showed up with all the essentials for a great podcast today, Graham. Yeah. Yes, you did. I had a bag with a couple beers in it. Yep. I had a microphone. Sure. And a Los Angeles Times newspaper. That's all you need. I mean, I'm ready. Right. I hope you're ready. I'm very ready. Yeah? Very ready to talk some Atlanta sports. All right, what are we going to talk about? Well, I imagine we should talk about the Hawks, Adam. America's team. The one team that is currently playing? The one team that is currently playing. Even if you count Atlanta United, they're not even playing right now. It is literally the Hawks. Uh, Last team standing in terms of the uh, seasons that started in October. Um, By default, just because the NBA season is still ongoing. The Hawks are fresh off an actually very exciting 121-114 victory over Milwaukee at home. We did not have Bogdanovich. We did not have Capella. Um, we had, you know, we're still coming off the, the Cam Reddish trade. Also coming off horrendous performances, which we, we need to mention because that happened literally the day after we recorded our last podcast. Um, but coming off really bad games against the Heat and the Knicks, particularly the first game against the Heat, the Hawks did something that they've done multiple times this year, which is start the third quarter and not make a basket for like six minutes. And that happened again with the Heat. And they just they were killing us in the first half anyway. But they really slaughtered us in the second half because of that. Um, and then the subsequent games were awful. And then you get to 
the Bucks game, and you're just like, well, we're dead in the water. We've lost, what, 10 in a row at home? We only needed to lose one more game at home, and we would have tied a franchise record. Which is ridiculous, because it's the team I always reference. It, it, the first year I ever watched Talks Basketball, the 2004-2005 season, the year that we blew up the old roster of like Jason Terry, Theo Ratliff, all those folks, and moved on to an old Antoine Walker and... I guess Al Harrington wasn't old, but either way. It was a god-awful team. Drafted Josh Smith, Childress, won like 14 games. And that team managed to win more home games than this team has so far. Yeah, which is nuts. How's that happen? I don't know. This team has been very odd. The same roster, basically, from last year. But they did play really well in that game uh, against Milwaukee. Started out poorly on defense, as they always do, but really clamped down the second half. Another thing that I really like to see, um, which happened in the first half and, and really the whole game, was the offense moved the ball. There was not a lot of standing around. It was a lot of passing the ball at least three, four, five times. It seemed like every possession. Trey wasn't dominating the usage uh, as much as he normally does. And it showed in the first half he, was, he wasn't he was really scoring all that much. He did wind up with 30 points because he kind of took over in the fourth quarter. And, you know, the, the crazy thing was is that that was really reflected in the box score with, like, every, you know, we had, what, six people in double digits. You had Gallinari with 16 off the bench, Collins with 16, Hunter with 20, Okongu with 12, Herter with 13, and Trey with 30. And it was just a much more balanced approach than we're used to seeing uh, from these Hawks. And the ball was flying everywhere. Um, it was really nice to see. And the Hawks really pulled out a gutsy uh, victory, largely on the back of Onyeka Okongwu. Um, 12 points, 8 rebounds, a uh, few assists, and 3 blocks. And a really critical steal against Giannis um, down the stretch, which was just fantastic. Um, he really got low on Giannis as Giannis was trying to back him into uh, the post. And Okongwu got low and just ripped the ball out of his hands and then... Giannis fouled him, and that was just a big turning point in the game, I think, that happened in the fourth quarter. Um, really impressed with the play of Okongwu, um, particularly just how seemingly undersized he is, right? Only, what, 6'8", but he, he can bust with the best one. He can bust with Embiid. He can take Giannis. Um, he, he's a joy to watch out there and provide such a defensive spark. We've, we've been a big proponent of Okongwu on this show for a long time, but he just seems to step up time and time again, and he is nowhere close to reaching his potential either. Yeah, he's, he's certainly undersized height as far as height goes, but he's strong as hell. Yeah. And like you just said, like he can bang it with the, the, the best centers in the league. And like you'll see multiple plays where you could tell Giannis wants to get to the rim, but then he has to settle for a jump shot because he's not backing down. Right. And that's all I want to see out of my defense, Graham, is the effort to have some pride. To try to stop this guy versus like I've seen we've seen so much with this team this year just like they they get close to the basket and it's kind of just give up let them get right. their dunk right let them get their layup and Okongu brings that energy and that effort day in and day out and he's got good touch around the rim as well yeah which he, makes such a big difference on the offensive end he had such an impressive play in the first quarter there was a was a ball shot um, rimmed off and he's falling away from the ball and somehow reaches his hand up. And as he's falling towards, you know, the crowd under the basket, reaches his hand up, he's watching all the way, tips it, while his body is, like, pretty much under the basket, and it just goes right in. It was a beautiful offensive rebound. It's not something you're going to see on Sports Center, but it was just, like, 
it was like a immaculate tip or something. It's like how with his body position was he able to have that control to get the ball uh, back in the goal in midair, tipping it off his hand. It was just unreal. Um, yeah, incredible touch around the around the rim. And he also finishes around the rim, unlike our friend Clint Capella. This team needs Clint Capella, but and I'm sure he'll start when he comes back because, you know, Trey has said he still doesn't have that same chemistry with Okongwu as far as, like, the lobs go. Right. That he has with Capella, but that's going to develop the more time he's getting. So this, this like week or two that Capella's been out, it's been great for Okongwu's development. Right. And let's not forget, DeAndre Hunter has been great since he's come back. He's such a stabilizing force. Yeah, he dropped twenty. Also had nine boards. Played physical down there. Uh, he's starting. He's definitely got that that spark in his step, and he's not really being restricted in terms of his playing time. Played thirty five minutes. You know, he's he's pretty much good to go at this point. And this was just more of the balance that we want to see out of this team. Like, even Lou Williams got it going a little bit. He was a nice spark plug in, like, the second quarter, I think, when we were really yeah. struggling and Lou hit a hit a big three and, like, you know, eight points. That's what we need from these bench guys. Gallinari has gotten the memo, hey, Travis Schlenk is pissed. He's <laughs> going to trade you if, A, you don't want to be here, and if, B, you're not producing. Right. So, I mean, Gallinari is still primed to get traded because of his contract. Yeah. He's only owed like five million next year, um, but if he can produce like that, that's what we need. Yeah, and like it can't all be on Trey. There's had, no reason it needs to be on Trey with this roster. No, and Gallinari had some big moments. I mean, the one thing I always liked about Gallinari, and he did this a couple of times in this game, is just his ability to just take his man one on one and put up a fadeaway jumper that somehow seems like it always goes in. Like when when he's feeling it, that shot is just money. Um, yeah, he had a big game. He was a huge contributor. Um, JC with a double-double. Um, but, you know, it still doesn't really... We play Minnesota tonight. I'm sure we're going to trade someone tonight, and we, we'll miss it because that's what happened last week. But we should talk about the Cam Reddish thing real quick, Adam. Oh, yeah, we should. But I think to finish, from, at least in terms of that game last week, um, breath of fresh air, hopefully we see more of it moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it's just getting the core back together is so huge, and... I don't know if you saw this, so Sarah Spencer with the AJC started a podcast this week Mm -hmm. called The Hawks Report. Instantly, the first episode has probably more listens than we've gotten in three and a half years of doing this thing. And it was excellent. Her her first guest was John Collins. And he just... Hard to compete with that. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah. We got intern Jared. Intern Jared. She gets John Collins. Yeah, John, Philly John doesn't like to talk about Philly sports on on air as much. Yeah. yeah, it's tough. Tough compete with a <laughs> with a professional athlete. It, it is it is a uh, a breath of fresh air for the the Hawks needed a podcast like that because like you've got Brad Rowland who does his thing and is great, but it's just so analytical. Yeah, it's a very different vibe. You you got us <laughs> who just blabber <laughs> right. nonstop and are obviously not on the same level as anyone that's affiliated with any of the big podcast no. networks, but um. Sarah Spencer, guys, go, go, go listen to her. This was really good. It, it was more on, like, I always squawk about 755 as real, being the best Braves podcast. I can instantly tell this can be an excellent Hawks podcast. But John Collins, like, he was very open about everything and all the struggles. And, like, the big thing he said about why this team is struggling is that they just have not, like, the COVID thing just completely derailed them. Like, you can't just... Like chemistry is just so huge yeah, in no, the it NBA make, it makes and sense. with teams. And yeah. like having all these different guys coming in and out, like you need your time on the court together. So that's why even it popped really in this game against the Bucks. But like they had their moments in the previous games with against the Heat. And what was the other game? 
Uh, the Knicks. The Knicks. Like, they were in it for a little bit. Right. But, like, it's going to take time to develop. So, getting that win against the Bucks did give me some hope, Graham. Yeah, it was huge. Um, even though it seems like... Especially, they were down, what, like, 10 with, like, four or five it, minutes to go? It, it, well, it wasn't... I don't think it was... It, it, there was more time left in the game when they were still down by that much. But, it really, like, the last seven minutes or so, the Hawks just sort of took over the game. And Milwaukee... You know, especially the first half was getting a lot more easy baskets. Second half wasn't happening, and people were they were like struggling to score against us playing competent defense. I was like, "What the hell is this?" I was like, "We're you know." So yeah, I'm I'm hoping that this is a a launching point for this team. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Cam Reddish trade. Uh, Adam, you've you've you mentioned this many times over the course of the podcast. I think we won. I think we won the trade, the Luca trade. I think Cam proves it that we won. What are your thoughts now that Cam is no longer no longer with us? Here's the thing with Cam. He certainly has the talent to be a superstar in this league. And you'll see it every now and then. Yeah. He'll get his 30-point games. He's had like, three or four this year. He's got unreal athleticism. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't do it consistently. Yeah. And it's now come out that he didn't want to be here. Yeah, so when, when that came out, that pretty much said everything you, you needed to to know. Um, I think even the people that defended Cam and valued him over Collins or uh, Hunter, I don't know why the hell they do that, but you know, there's no defending um, or, or, or getting too upset about him being traded if he wanted out of here. You know? Yeah, and like the price tag was always a first-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. That's what we got out of it. It's a heavily protected draft pick that comes via, well, from the Knicks via Charlotte. Right. I think it's top 18 protected. Yeah, and yeah. it goes for a couple of years where they said it's like, Schlenk said, their analytics guy said it's like a 90% chance it does convert into a first-round pick over the next, like, three years. So they got that. And if he's a cancer on the locker room, then that could be a huge difference. Like, that, a guy not wanting to be there, that's defensive energy, you know? Right, and then you really saw, you know, over his last few games, he wasn't getting away really that, that many minutes. Yeah. You know, Cabarro was playing way more than him. You know, it was like, once again, I was always like, wow, what's going on here? But now it makes more sense that he wasn't getting the minutes, that it, especially over the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, you never know what's going on behind the scenes. No. And, you know, it's a tough thing with Cam. It was like, you know, we'd see flashes and then he'd get hurt. And then we see flashes and then just inconsistency. Um, then we saw what he did, obviously, in the playoffs last year. Coming off that injury, I mean, it was it was pretty remarkable. So, yeah, the talent is there. But then it's like questionable decisions, like after being injured so much last year, coming into his second year, he doesn't want to play in summer league. Right. It's like things like that. Yeah. That, that's a good sign that he doesn't – he didn't care about developing chemistry with some of his younger teammates. Right. There's that. And there's also just the fact that he's not an established player in this league. I'm sorry, you haven't earned anything yet. Yeah, you had a good run in the in the playoffs on the biggest on one of the biggest stages in the NBA in the conference finals, but it's not like you're Trey Young. Yeah. You know, who've consistently been a star in this league or anything like that. So it's probably for the best, you know, wish him well. Um, we'll see what happens with this pick. We got this guy, Kevin Knox, who's just not very good. He's only been playing like 10 minutes a game this year. He was a first-round pick the Knicks took, I think, in 2018. And his playing time has just steadily decreased. Um, not really known for really great defense or offense. Um, just seems to be 
a guy that the Knicks wanted to get rid of. And um, as long as we were we were able to get that first round pick, we were like, whatever, we'll take him, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he he came into the league with a good bit of hype. He is a pretty good three point shooter. I think he shoots like thirty nine percent from three or something like that. And potential change of scenery guy. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he'll get any run. I mean, he's playing the same position that Cam was, and he wasn't getting the minutes that he wanted. So, you know, there's not a ton of minutes at wing on this team right now. No. But he's not nothing. Yeah. So, But, yeah, it's, it, it was all about the first-round pick. Right, right. Yeah, I remember thinking, I was, like, I was like, who's this guy? Maybe he'll do something. I was like, oh, never mind. He hardly plays. Okay. Very good. Um, but yeah, you're right. It was all about the first round pick. So we'll see what happens there with, with the Hawks. And we're getting closer to uh, All-Star Weekend, a little under a month away. We're still pretty out of the playoff picture, unfortunately. Um, I think we're still in 12th in the East or something like that. No bueno. Um, you know, still only four and a half games behind a playoff spot, behind the Celtics. But... You know, we got to see more consistency. We've got to see more consistent play. Like we saw against Milwaukee if this team wants any chance of going to the postseason. And there's a lot of rumors and reports out there that the Hawks are still listening to John Collins. They're still planning to be very active ahead of the NBA trade deadline. Who knows if that comes to fruition, but just keep that in mind as we move forward here that more moves could be coming. I wouldn't be surprised also if we try to use that first-round pick, maybe potentially in a move to bring someone else here of, of value. I don't know. I'm just saying all – all bets are off in terms of what Schlenk's going to do. Um, I think you saw that the Cam Reddish move is probably the first of, of a few dominoes to fall potentially. To, to fall potentially, I don't know. Yeah, the Schlenk is upset, as is this fan base. But uh, I still have some hope, Graham. I still believe a little bit that they're going to turn this around. I mean, that, that showed a lot of heart. It's like one win can just catapult a team. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, getting guys back like DeAndre is, is huge and – more chemistry will be developed there. And then, you know, once you get Bogdanovich, even though he's been... Yeah, your boy Bogdanovich has to figure it out. Well, he's been very slowed down. His knee that he hurt last year is still not right. It's the same knee that's still giving him trouble. Um, yeah, he's not having a good year. But I don't think I don't think he's healthy either. So um, he should stay out as long as he needs to until he feels like he can actually play again. Because I think that's, that's still a lingering problem. Capella with the ankle issue... Who knows when he'll be back, but you got to feel confident about uh, Okongwu there for now. Um, but yeah, we need Clint Capella, I think, more than we need Bogdanovich. Seems like this team needs like a Vince Carter in his last season. Just like, and this John Collins was talking on this as well, just how they're not a very vocal bunch right now. The locker room is a lot more like quiet guys. So I think. John is trying to be that, like, you can see him oh, giving the team the business on the court a lot more than he used to. I think he's t- trying to take that role. He's that leader for sure. But, like, last year, like, Solomon Hill was that guy. Right. Just a crafty veteran that'll talk all the time. And you, you, you need that. Yeah. And, and also to mention, Solomon Hill was included in that. Yeah, Cam we, we shipped him off. So Yeah. But it, then he got waived today by the Knicks. Oh, really? Well, yeah. Maybe he'll come back. Maybe. Who knows? But, yeah, you'd like to see... Well, he's hurt for the rest of the year, so that wouldn't help us. But, um, yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd certainly like to see, even if it's not like a star player, a veteran with some swagger. Well, you know who's the perfect candidate for that is Lou. I guess he's not really providing that as much. Yeah. Or even Gallinari, guy who's been around the block. Sure. Um, but, yeah, the majority of this team, 
are guys in their in their twenties and mostly like mid to early twenties too. So not a lot of people on this team with a lot of leadership experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a good point. That's probably something that is, that is really lacking and something that can make a big difference in, in a locker room. And let's shut down the Ben Simmons thing. Like I, I don't, I, yeah. after hearing about Cam Reddish and what he was to the locker room and just the comparisons between Cam Reddish and Ben Simmons and like, they're both guys that underperformed in college and in the pros so far. Like the the physical talent is there, but that killer just drive is not. I think Ben Simmons is a much better player than Cam Reddish when he's like mentally not checked out. I think he's proven that. Even though he can't shoot a three pointer, he's a better defender. He's a better distributor. Well, yeah, he's definitely more talented than Cam, but like yeah. the head game is everything. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's been a disaster right with with Ben Simmons this year um it's been really I mean I don't even know how many games he's played at this point I remember like uh there was a period of time where he was sitting out and uh yeah he's still I think he's still holding out yeah so it's sort of like (laughs) that's not a guy I want to bring in here and especially if you have to give up John Collins to get him no thank you yeah no no defensive value is worth that when the guy may not be right mentally. So just figure out a way to get John Collins' usage up. Yeah, and that was actually great seeing that that game. I mean, he was jacking up. He wasn't really hitting shots until the second half, but he was getting a lot of open looks, and he was getting a lot of opportunities. So I feel like the Hawks turned over a leaf. off, Even though their offense, you know, like, like people have been saying, it's like top five an overall rating in the league. I think during that game it was number two. Um, but I still didn't think it was an effective offense in the sense that, you know, like we said, we had plenty of times this year where there's been long scoring droughts, particularly to open up a half. That was not happening with the way the ball was moving. Um, just much better passing, less isolation, less guys standing around, a lot more movement. So I'm, I'm hoping that the offense becomes even better now because of this. And if we can just play – Semi-competent defense. Average. League even, average. Even just for one quarter, it can be above average like it was against the Bucks. This team will win a lot more games than it loses. Yeah, just steal a possession here or there, like with the, like a Congo's play. Yeah. That's all it takes. Yeah. A few of those a game. Totally. So there's uh, your Atlanta Hawks report for this week. And now we'll take a short break to hear a word from our friends from DraftKings. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Just bet $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. All right, guys, if Sportsbook is not available in your state yet, you can still get in on the action of the divisional round. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. DraftKings has pretty much every sport you can possibly imagine that's active right now. you got NBA, NFL, college basketball, League of Legends, whatever's going on, it's on DraftKings right now. Here's what you need to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Just bet $5 and win $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN 
for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Adam. We tried. We looked at the LA Times article you brought over. But there was a huge error, I would say, in uh, the conception of this week's segment with the LA Times. What happened during the NLCS from the LA Times perspective? We started it last week. It was pretty fun. Adam's going to explain to you. But we couldn't really do it this week. In hindsight, I blame you, Graham. Okay. <laughs> we initially, you know, we schedule these shows weeks in advance. We schedule where they're <laughs> going to be recorded. So I had my newspapers all ready to go. Uh-huh. And then we had a last-minute change of scenery. Yeah. And I grabbed, instead of the Game 2 recap, which is Plashke, Hernandez, the gold, I got, like, the Game 3 preview, which are, like, kind of the more bland, boring journalists that you don't know that actually do a good job of journalism. But they don't get the ratings, and they're not very fun to read. So, yeah, we're skipping the segment. Sorry. Yeah. Blame, I guess you can blame both of us, but just blame Adam. He brought the wrong newspaper. Yeah. And if it really was planned weeks in advance, he should have known I'm grabbing the Game 3 preview edition, uh, issue. Mm. Trying to combine edition and issue there. Edition. Yeah. Rushed out the door, so no segment. Baseball's still on strike. Sucks. No new news. I read an article today, Ken Rosenthal, that said nothing's going on. There's really been nothing that's happened since the initial offer was rebuked and the lockdown happened and all that stuff, or the lockout happened. So it's kind of like we're in danger of missing uh, spring training now, unless something drastic happens. I mean, you really think that the decision makers would be very highly motivated to get something done. Like, you're going to lose so many fans, you're going to lose so much revenue. Like, if you miss opening day... Think of all the revenue that's oh, yeah. been lost baseball-wide. And, and then think about it, too. The owners who are kind of in support of right Manfred, because the last CBA sort of gave them unlimited power, as our dear friend Emperor Palpatine likes to say, over the revenue sharing of baseball. And um, ever since that agreement was signed, the players have been complaining about it and bitching about it. And um, my, my thinking is uh, that the... You know, the owners could eventually turn on Manfred. Even though they got the benefits of this deal, if there's no baseball, then, you know, what the hell? Like, Manfred's got to figure out a way to, to make this happen. At the same time, the players, I'm not saying they need to be more reasonable towards Manfred, but it's like, there's got to be some sort of common ground that can be come to because it seems like every time that they're bringing their terms back, it's just completely rejected, and this happened on their side. So like, everybody needs to compromise a little bit. No one likes to compromise, but there needs to be some compromise in order for there to be baseball. Um, it's only January. It's only January. But still got, well, that's still what, a, only like a month and a half from spring training. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. That's, that's actually less than that, because usually pitchers and catchers report like February 15th or something. This sucks. We're going to start talking about the Thrashers again or something. Yeah. It's like the pandemic, like the the beginning pandemic days, when we had nothing to talk about. It's really just the Hawks, and um, that's it. No one wants to hear about the Falcons, Adam. Even though we're we're part of the Pigskin Podcast Network, no one wants to hear 
hear us speculate about what's going to happen in the offseason. We've already done that. There's nothing really to talk about with the Falcons right now. Absolutely nothing new. No. Dan Quinn might be the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Which is crazy. That was an interesting game, the Dallas 49ers game. Yes. Where it's like you got Dan Quinn versus Kyle Shanahan. Who's at fault for us losing the Super Bowl? And based on those results, it's Dan Quinn and not Kyle Shanahan. I would say, I would. Has that occurred to you? I would. Well, I've always thought that. Because even if Shanahan's the guy <laughs> with his foot on the pedal, Dan Quinn's the guy who's steering the freaking bus because he's the one who's the head coach who has unilateral decision making on both sides to say yes or no, we should do something. I agree or I disagree. And he agreed with Shanahan, and he should be at fault for blowing the Super Bowl over anyone. And then he should have been fired after that. Here's a question for you, Graham. Did the Super Bowl loss bring you more pain than the World Series win brought you joy? I'd say so. Yeah? Yeah. I'd say so. And I, I hate that that's the truth. But it was such a devastating loss. Like with the Bra- It was so weird when the Braves won. It was like a foregone conclusion. You know, we were up, what, 7-1, to 7 to nothing, whatever it was. And it was like, when we won, it wasn't like some, you know, it wasn't like the, I will say when we won the NLCS, I was more hyped up than when we lost the Super Bowl, just because it was so dramatic. Like with the Braves, like we, you know, by the fifth inning, it was over. So it was kind of like, even though I did experience immense joy when they won, it was like, well, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't something where it came down to the wire. Whereas with the Falcons, you know, we blow a huge lead and then lose in overtime. I mean, it can't get any worse than that. It is the worst loss in the history of American professional sports. You cannot find a worse loss than that. On that stage. When we were watching the this past week, we were watching the Patriots and Buffalo Bills game. Yes. With intern Jared. And, like, we were mm-hmm. just at halftime. They were down what? Like, I think it was 27 to, to three. Three. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, this... <laughs> lead seems absolutely insurmountable. There is no way that anyone could ever come back in this game. And then it just clicked. Holy shit, this is less than the Falcons were. Yeah. And we were that was with like four minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah. It wasn't halftime. Yeah. <laughs> How is it possible? Uh, it, it's it's truly inconceivable. Um Shanahan has proven himself to be a choke artist though over the years. You know, remember the Super Bowl with uh against Kansas City where they had Ten point lead with like five five minutes left. Not as bad, but still pretty terrible. So, yeah, who, who's who's the most to blame? Dan Quinn. And if I was an NFL organization, there's not a chance in hell I'd hire Dan Quinn. Seeing what I saw, how he lost the locker room the last three years of his tenure in Atlanta, how we were out of it by the first week of October in those three consecutive years. Um, he's sure he's a great team guy and can get people to play and. I mean, we saw that. With the People like his rah 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 gram. Yeah, exactly. You like that. that. But in terms of being a decisive decision maker, being a good clock manager, um, you know, it's just not there. And his lack of ability to make adjustments. I know he did that this year in Dallas, but who knows what's going to happen when he goes into a new organization? I blame Matt Ryan. Then you are lost. I'm just speaking for the other people, Grant. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's all Matt Ryan's fault. He could have audibled. Defense could have stopped somebody, but, you know, whatever. That's in the past, let's, Graham. Let's forget about that. We're World Series champions. Now we have 
a team that has not made the playoffs in four plus years. Yep. We got a couple more years to go, probably. At least, I think we have two. To th- I think we will be thirty-five and beyond before we uh, see a playoff-bound Falcons team. I was thinking about this. What do you think about to speculate on the roster? We cut Matt Ryan after like June first or whatever. Trade him. I, I, trade him. Yeah. Whatever. I think after June first is when you get a lot more cap relief. Yes, that is. Bring in uh, Trubisky to be our quarterback next year. That's fine. Bring in, then you really will see what a mediocre quarterback does behind that offensive line. Matt Ryan may not be the solution to winning a Super Bowl anymore, but Mitchell Trubisky will literally win you maybe one game. Oh, that's not true at all. Oh, hell yeah. Trubisky, uh, he's okay. He's not as good as Matt Ryan or as mobile as Matt Ryan, even though everybody thinks he is slow, and he is, but Trubisky's worse, and he will be pulverized. He will get nothing done. It'll be abysmal, but it's exactly the right move. 100% the right move. I think clear so. out Matthews, clear out Matt, clear out Grady, tear it down, tear it, raise it to the ground. I'm done with anyone who has anything to do with that Super Bowl debacle and their overpriced contracts. Done. Absolutely finished. Mm. Deion Jones, another guy. Get rid of those four. No more. Okay. Rip the Band-Aid off. It's time. It's beyond time. We're bleeding out over here. And that wraps up this week's very optimistic, very well put together Atlanta Zone. Love it, Graham. Love it. Gotta love it. Maybe we'll see you next week. Maybe we won't. Depends on how much we have to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) We need the schlag to make some deals. Yeah. I'm sure he's going to make three moves tonight, and we will just have missed that window. Perfect. Yep. And that is true to Atlanta. So, we'll see you next week, maybe. If not, we'll see you the week after for sure. We hope you all are doing well out there. Until we see you again, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitalism. Hospitalism.